0: I'm about to call Pastor Layton up for the last time as a lead pastor to come and preach. So I took some time this past week to track down and calculate how many times has Layton spoken at Ebenezer? Oh man, <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> and so this is what I got from my educated guess from Layton's 35 years of formal ministry at Ebenezer between youth talks, young adult messages, funerals, weddings devotionals, partner congregation talks, and any other kind of message I could possibly think of. And of course, Sunday sermons. The number that I got was 3,376 times. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Now, that is just an estimate, and I probably rounded, I actually tried to round down because I just want to say, And just see that Pastor Leighton has served this church so well. And the amount of messages he's spoken is incredibly impressive. But what's more impressive to me is the stories of people who've been personally touched and impacted by the work Leighton has done as a pastor. I myself am included in that. And Leighton has been one of the most significant voices in my life. As I've also started my work as a pastor. And it's actually quite crazy that we're at this point now where we're about to call him up. But I think it's only appropriate that we give a huge round of applause to Layton as he preaches his last message as a lead pastor for potentially the 3,377th time ever. So let's give him a round of applause. <laughs>
1: I assume you're glad it's just my last one. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, we need to get this show on the road, though. I have a 1 p.m. tee-off time. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's actually 3 p.m. <laughs> um, for those that are new to Ebenezer, my name's Leighton. I've had the privilege of serving as, um, on staff here for the last 35 years, as Will had mentioned. That's good to, th- to find out the number of sermons and stuff. I've been 18 years as the lead pastor, and, of course, that's going to change at the end of this month. And so I am retiring, uh, which means that the today's sermon is going to be my final sermon as your lead pastor. Now, now, that might not be a big deal for you, but it is for me. And as I prepared uh, for this day, there's been uh, lots of mixed emotions. Uh, and if I were to be honest, just, just playing a lot of emotion around it. Um, it's been a real time of, of, of reflection over like many, many years. And so, for example, one of the things that I have been doing this past month is, is taking all my, my printed copies of my sermons. So I, I had them written electronically, but if you would see my notes, uh, when I finally get up here, there's all sorts of... X's and scratches and stuff, so they're not always quite the same as what I have down. So I've been, I've been PDFing those so I can, I can get rid of all the, like, two trees, of filing cabinets, of sermons that I've done over the years. And as I thumbed through them, kind of going down memory lane, I, I had two thoughts. Uh, one, my first thought was, they weren't that bad. <laughs> and, and in fact, uh, a few were even quite good as I looked at them. And my second thought was, I don't remember preaching them, <laughs> uh, even though I know that they've definitely left an indelible mark on your lives. I, I know that for a fact. Now, I don't want to diminish uh, good biblical preaching, because I actually do know that, that a, a sermon or a word that someone says can really have a deep impact on your life. But probably what is, is more important, and that you'll remember more, is, is the relationship that, that we have and the interactions, you know, off the stage that we have and the prayers that we make. Uh, BECAUSE uh, THOSE THINGS, YOU KNOW, MAKE A DIFFERENCE TO THOSE WHO FAITHFULLY TEACH GOD'S WORD AND TO YOU IN, in THE AUDIENCE. WHICH IS uh, WHY IN THIS FINAL SERMON TO YOU, I, I'VE CHOSEN, AGAIN, NOT TO, not to um, OVERWHELM YOU WITH SOME KIND OF DEEP THEOLOGICAL TEACHING. RATHER, I'M GOING TO TAKE SOME TIME, IF YOU'LL LET ME, TO uh, REFLECT ON A 35-YEAR RELATIONSHIP WITH YOU, MY EBENEZER FAMILY. AND IN DOING SO, I'M GOING TO SHARE A FEW STORIES that I hope will, will convey my heart uh, for you and for this church. Now, as I did last week, I am going to um, have this teaching rooted in the Scripture passage. And the passage I've chosen is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it's 12 to the end of the chapter, which is a prayer. It's a prayer that Paul uh, prayed over a church family that he loved, and it's the prayer that I want to pray over you today as I wrap up my ministry in this environment. So before we do that, let me just... Uh, Let me just uh, pray, so would you bow your heads with me. So Father, once again we come to you, and um, as we open your word, I pray that you would open our eyes, and you would open our minds, and you would open our hearts, that we might uh, listen to what you have to say, that we might ponder those things deeply in our lives, and that we might respond in obedience to those things you convict us on. And so we commit this to you in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Okay, First Thessalonians chapter five, twelve uh, to twenty-eight. You can turn there in your Bibles if you want to, or they're on this screen behind me. Uh, this is what we're, God's Word says. Now we ask you, uh, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. AND WE URGE YOU, BROTHERS AND SISTERS, WARN THOSE WHO ARE IDLE AND DISRUPTIVE. ENCOURAGE THE DISHEARTENED. HELP THE WEAK. BE PATIENT WITH EVERYONE. MAKE SURE THAT NOBODY PAYS BACK WRONG FOR WRONG, BUT ALWAYS STRIVE TO DO WHAT IS GOOD FOR EACH OTHER AND FOR EVERYONE ELSE. REJOICE ALWAYS. PRAY CONTINUALLY. GIVE THANKS IN ALL CIRCUMSTANCES, FOR THIS IS GOD'S WILL FOR YOU IN CHRIST JESUS. DO NOT QUENCH A SPIRIT. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, and reject every kind of evil. Now, I'm going to just pause right there because I'm going to do the last few verses as a prayer to close the service. Now, in, in, these, in these verses, uh, I think there are five exhortations or five uh, encouragements that I want to leave with you as I close off my formal ministry here at Ebenezer. And the first is found in, in verses 12 and 13. And this is what it says again. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard against you, or <laughs> hard amongst, amongst you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work. Or as the ESV says, respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly. Or the New Living Translation says, honor those who, who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. So here's my, my first word of encouragement and exhortation to you today. and simply this. Continue to respect, love, and esteem the spiritual leaders that God has given you. And I say continue because that's exactly what you've done for me. And I want to uh, express my deepest and, and heartfelt thanks for the way that you have treated me as your pastor. You realize, don't you, that, that some church families are, are hard on their pastors, they're actually known for that. They challenge every pastor's decision, every piece of theology, every action they take. And they, they are actually uh, pastor eaters. Not SO WITH EBENEZER YOU GUYS ARE OUR PASTOR KEEPERS I THINK YOU ARE KNOWN uh, FOR RESPECTING AND LOVING AND ESTEEMING THOSE OF US WHO LEAD WHICH IS WHY OVER THE LAST 45 YEARS YOU'VE ONLY HAD THREE SENIOR LEAD PASTORS TWO OF WHOM HAVE RETIRED HERE AND ONE WHO LEFT TO GO ON A MISSION FIELD uh, AND serve THERE FOR THE NEXT 20 SOME YEARS AND I THINK THAT THAT IS, is REMARKABLE but even though this church is among the best and how they treat their pastors and you are and even though ministry is an incredibly rewarding and fulfilling calling and and it is it can also be deeply challenging and completely overwhelming and downright exhausting now without question leadership in general is challenging and it's probably more challenging now than it ever has been with social media RECORDING AND ANALYSING EVERY WORD IN THIS ACT, IN THIS, um, YOU KNOW, CANCEL CULTURE SOCIETY THAT WE LIVE IN. BUT THIS IS ESPECIALLY TRUE of, OF CHRISTIAN LEADERSHIP. AND ON TOP OF ALL THE DEMANDS THAT THERE IS THERE, AND and THE, the CARES AND CONCERNS OF the MANY, uh, of many, THERE IS A SPIRITUAL COMPONENT TO BEING A PASTOR. AND THAT SPIRITUAL COMPONENT IS THAT THERE IS A SPIRITUAL BATTLE ALL AROUND US THAT WE'RE AWARE OF AND, and WRESTLING WITH AND FIGHTING. AND THERE'S A SPIRITUAL CALLING TO NOT ONLY JUST DO YOUR JOB RIGHT BEFORE YOU SO THAT YOU MIGHT THINK WELL OF US, BUT IT'S ACTUALLY TO DO OUR JOB WELL BEFORE GOD. AND IT'S NO SMALL TASK TO GET UP EVERY SUNDAY AND TO TRY AND PROCLAIM THE WORD OF GOD TO OUR CONGREGATION AND and TRY TO DO YOUR BEST TO HONOR GOD IN DOING THAT, NOT JUST TO BE A GOOD COMMUNICATOR OR FUNNY OR ANYTHING ELSE THAT YOU HAPPEN TO HAVE THERE. NOW, um, I, I WRESTLED with what I'm going to say next, um, because uh, my heart is genuinely and deeply overflowing with thanksgiving for this church family. However, um, I do want to just maybe pull back the curtain just a bit and share some of the specific challenges and realities of being a spiritual leader today. And, and to do that, uh, I could have done this a number of ways, but I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to show you Barna's study that was just released this spring that reveals a very sobering side of spiritual leadership. According to their research, many pastors and ministry leaders are struggling with burnout and discouragement at historic levels. Actually, uh, 400% higher than uh, even seven years ago. And here, are just, uh, just I'm just going to scratch the surface here. Here are just a few of the things the study says. First of all, uh, pastors' overall, overall well-being has taken a hit. The overall well-being of pastors has has hit a disturbing low according to the study. In just seven years, pastors reporting excellence in their spiritual well-being dropped from 37% to 14%. Uh, Physical well-being, 24% to 9%. Mental health plummeted 39% to 11%. And so that's one of the things that's happening. There's more to this study than that. Uh, Second, uh, pastors' confidence in their calling is plummeting. Only 35% of pastors feel uh, more confident in their calling than they did be when they began ministry. One study I read a few years ago before the pandemic hit, I think it was, it was, it was a high, high number. 60 to 70% of pastors felt, felt less confidence about themselves and their abilities after starting the pastor than when they finished and usually left uh, prematurely. And as you know, and we said this a few uh, weeks ago when uh, Jeremy Martini was here, the median age of a pastor has changed from in 1993 uh, or something like that. It was 43 years old, and now the median age of a pastor is 57 years old. So that, that tells you that, that um, this profession is not one that people are clamoring to enter into. Um, third, a pastor burnout has reached an alarming all time high. One of the most quoted stats in in uh, was a question that George Barna asked, which is Have Have you given real uh, serious consideration to quitting being in full-time ministry within the last year? And over 40% consistently answered yes when they were asked if they seriously considered throwing in the towel. And here's some of the reasons why: uh, the demands and polarization of many congregations has escalated, especially during the pandemic. The social shifts in our society. Continue unabated, and those things are going to hit uh, this ch- the church and the pastors pretty soon. And then in all of those things, and I'm talking generally, not specifically about Ebenezer, pastors feel like they're growing more and more isolated, and they have less and less friends. Now, if I was the devil and I want to take out a spiritual leader, I would probably probably do one of three things. This is just my opinion. I'm not saying it's, it's the gospel. Number one, I would overwhelm them. And I'd overwhelm them with responsibilities, with the hope that they might neglect their personal relationship with God as they tried to accomplish everything they were expected to do. And that happens. Good pastors neglect their relationship with God because they can't keep up with the tasks. Number two, I would discourage them. I, I, would, I would dishearten them. I would give them people that would say things that discourage them. I'd have people leave their church so that they might doubt themselves and prematurely exit the ministry. Or I'd pump them up so that they would become proud and either rely on their own strength and abilities or act in a self-entitled way that will eventually disqualify them from ministry because of the things that they're doing. Now, um, as I reflected back over my time at Ebenezer, and this is just going to be like, like just a, a sample of some things, I wanted to, to personally tell you how you have been an encouragement to me and even ways that you don't even know or might even not even be significant to you. But here are some of the ways that, that you as Ebenezer Baptist have lived out this verse and have loved me and respected me and esteemed me as your pastor. Now, first of all, you've, you've prayed for me. A lot of you ha- have prayed for me even when I don't know you're praying for me. Sometimes people have surprised me and just come up and just started praying for me. I had one person that, that prayed for me every Sunday faithfully in my office in a, in a wonderful, powerful prayer that God would use me. But one time in particular uh, stands out to me, and I, and I want to share this to you. And I need to kind of give you some context here. It was early in my role as lead pastor. And if you know me, you know that, that I have struggled with, with anxiety and getting up in front of people and speaking. And I remember in the early days, that was, that was heightened. It was, it was awful. And, and every Sunday I was up here, you had no idea what I was going through, but it, it was awful. And I remember one Sunday talking to the staff and saying, it, was, it fit into the context of the sermon, going I say I said, I'm going to tell people about my anxiety. And and knowing for me that when I said that, my fear was you were going to reject me as your leader because I was not good enough or qualified enough or strong enough. It was a huge vulnerability. And and I shared my heart and I told you what was happening and I closed off the sermon. And I remember there was someone sitting right over there and it was, it was a lady, and I could, I could see her stirring, and I didn't know why. I could just see her fidgeting. And, and as the closing song was happening, all of a sudden she comes up and she taps a worship leader, and she says, um, uh, and then she comes to the microphone, and she goes, I've never done this before. But I was sitting here, and uh, God prompted me to say, we need to pray for Layden. He's, he's our leader. He's the one that God's called us to lead. And so... Um, You know, he's just shared a real vulnerability. Can we pray for him? And so she said, she bowed her head and started praying. And so I bowed my head and started with her up here. And when I lifted my head... Literally the whole church had gathered around me and just had their hands open praying for me. Now, the reason that's significant is because this is how the devil works. He tries to convince people that they're not good enough to do what he's called them to do. And um, what the devil wanted to use to discourage me and take me out of ministry. I'll get better. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> I have a tea off time. <laughs> <laughs> what, what the devil wanted to use to discourage me, God used to, to encourage me and to give me hope that his, his calling was true in my life. So thank you for those who have prayed for me. Okay. <clears throat> You've also encouraged me with your words and actions. And it amazes me how many times someone has said something or written a note of encouragement or done something that was the exact word or action I needed. Again, one moment stands out. Brenda and I were struggling with keeping up with the demands of and expectations of the pastorate. And we actually decided... THAT I WAS GOING TO RESIGN FROM THE CHURCH AND PURSUE AN EDUCATION um, uh, TEACHING CAREER. THAT'S MY BACKGROUND, IS I graduated WITH AN EDUCATION DEGREE. AND AT THE REQUEST OF A LOCAL principal, I EVEN SUBMITTED AN APPLICATION TO TEACH AT THE SCHOOL WITH UNDERSTANDING THAT THIS WAS ALMOST A SHOE-IN FOR ME. AND, uh, and NO ONE BUT MY WIFE AND I KNEW ABOUT THIS DECISION OR ABOUT THE APPLICATION. NO ONE DID IN THE WHOLE CHURCH. Uh, that very Sunday, Pastor Wes, who was the, the senior pastor at that time, out of the blue, never done this, had done this before, uh, just just thanked me publicly for all my hard work and what I was doing with the youth and CNC that I was pastoring at that time. And then to my surprise, the church spontaneously gave me a standing ovation to thank me, just like you guys did now. But this, this time was because you're finally done as the last sermon, we're done with you. And, um, and, and I was thinking to myself, you have no idea. You have no idea that I have one foot out of the door. Then uh, that same week, um, someone from our congregation came to me and said, um, Layton, do you need a new suit? Now, Back then, we always wore a suit on Sunday mornings, tie, the whole, the whole thing. And suits are expensive, and I, I had one, and that's all I had. That's all I could afford. And he said, listen, I have made arrangements at a very, very nice uh, um, suit shop downtown. Uh, you just have to go in there, tell them your name, and you, you pick out whatever suit you want, shirt, tie, shoes, whatever you want, and it, it's going to be covered. I thought, oh, free suit? That's all right. And then, that same week, someone who was very new to the congregation had tried to get a hold of us, and at that time, I was actually the worship pastor, believe it or not, and, and uh, we were going through the worship wars, and so we got lots of, th- you know, comments coming our way, and a new couple came, and they called us up, and Brenda says that we, they want to meet us for coffee, and I'm thinking, I don't want to meet you for coffee. I'm just going gonna, gonna to hear more bad things about the worship and how they want more hymns or whatever else it is. And so, so I just I said, just, I, I'm not sure if I'm available. And so they showed up at our door on Saturday morning with little, um, little whatever things on their head and looking silly, and they handed me an, an, and Brenda an envelope, and it was full of cash. And, they, and this by the way, this has never happened to me before. So it's it's not a common experience, and they said to us um, This is for you. We didn't know what it was and they said the only we have two rules number one you don't spend what's in the envelope on your bills and number two you report back to us um, what you what you bought with it and So we went out and we were overwhelmed and we went out and bought some something with it And uh, it was supposed to be fun money for us and then we met them for coffee And my question to them was, why did you do this? And they said, again, I just want you to get an understanding of how God uses people to encourage leaders. They said, um, God spoke to us and told us that you needed some encouragement. And so we obeyed. Now, here's the thing. It was never about a standing ovation or a word of affirmation. It was never about a new suit. And it was never about an offering or an envelope with cash. But what this did is it, is it, is it uh, confirmed God's calling on my life. And we just set aside that teaching thing in the one foot out, and we just said, "God, I remember Brenda saying to me, clearly, God's hand's upon you here. We can't leave. And so we stayed. And that's the one thing I want you to remember. Not just towards leaders, but your word of encouragement, your act of kindness, your simple prayer might be exactly what someone needs to continue walking in faith in the path that God has laid out for them and accomplish what God has planned for them. So just as you've honored me and respected me and loved me as your leader. Love and honor and respect and highly esteem Chet and Santosh as your next leaders. Now, before I I leave this section, I want to put into practice what it means to love and honor those who work hard amongst you. And I'm just going to mention this right now, and I'm going to give a presentation next uh, service. But we've been trying to honor our, our staff members here just to acknowledge all the hard work that they've done here. And so there are two staff members that are celebrating their uh, significant anniversary here at this church. One is, is Darla at the back. Darla, you want to wave to us? She's our front office person. Uh, she has is, she is, uh, finished five years here at Ebenezer and has served well. I mean, as someone who works in the front office, her commitment to this church is, is amazing. And so she's done a really good job. And the second is Chris Reed back there. Chris you want to wave to us and so he's been with our organization here for 20 years and he served as a custodial janitor and now he's, he puts together all our multimedia you know that goes online he's that's his role now and so uh, 20 years of serving here and Chris has always gone beyond the call of duty people that that come and, and work weddings and have weddings and funerals here always comment on how Chris is always willing to serve them and so can we esteem and show our appreciation to these two people? <laughs> okay, uh, verses 13 and 14. It says, live in peace with each other, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Uh, the two key words, uh, I think, in this section, at least the ones that stood out to me that God impressed upon me, were the words peace and the words uh, patient. And so here's my second exhortation or word of encouragement to you, my church family. It's live in, pe- live in peace and be patient with others in the family of faith. Now, to live in peace with others in the Ebenezer family means that you will, uh, you will choose to work together with others to build the kingdom of God And TO SERVE THE FAMILY OF GOD. IT MEANS THAT YOU WILL USE YOUR GOD-GIVEN GIFTS AND LET OTHERS USE THEIR GIFTS, EVEN WHEN THEY'RE DIFFERENT THAN YOURS, EVEN WHEN THEIR GIFTS ANNOY YOU, AT TIMES, FOR THE SAKE OF FURTHERING GOD'S WORK. AND IT MEANS THAT YOU WILL ENCOURAGE ONE ANOTHER, THAT YOU'LL RESPECT ONE ANOTHER IN THEIR DIFFERENCES, AND THEN CELEBRATE WHAT GOD IS ACCOMPLISHING THROUGH EACH PERSON AND THROUGH THIS FAMILY OF GOD, called Ebenezer Baptist. To be patient with others in the Ebenezer family means that you will accept people for who they are and where they are at in life and faith, while at the same time lovingly helping people move toward where they need to be. Now, that's a huge statement, okay, because people in, this, in our friendships, in our families, even here in this room, we're messy there's there's brokenness in us even if we don't always show it or or others see it it's it's there and i want to just say that that this is what it means to be pastoral not a pastor but pastoral to be pastoral means we don't just have the right beliefs and hold on to them which by the way are important to have the right beliefs but but we recognize that everyone who is part of this family, who are, enters this, these doors are on a spiritual journey. What it's saying is that no one has arrived, no one here has figured it all out. No one that comes through these doors is beyond God's reach. No one is beyond God's restoration, including you. <laughs> we all have stuff in our lives that God needs to remove and restore. So let's be patient with others. And let's be patient with yourself. Because we can be our own worst critics sometimes, right? Now, I like how the New Living Translation puts it. It says, brothers and sisters, we urge you. In other words, this is the responsibility not just of staff, it's the responsibility of everyone. And what are we to do? WARN THOSE WHO ARE LAZY, ENCOURAGE THOSE WHO ARE TIMID, TAKE TENDER CARE OF THOSE WHO ARE WEAK. NOW LET ME JUST QUICKLY UNPACK THOSE STATEMENTS. THE WORD WARN MEANS TO FIRMLY ADMONISH, PARTICULARLY IN AN AREA OF SIN. AND THE WORD um, TRANSLATED LAZY IS USED ONLY IN THE THESSALONIANS, IN 1 THESSALONIANS HERE AND IN 2 THESSALONIANS. AND IT'S REALLY THE WORD FOR A SOLDIER who would not stay in the ranks. While others were out working hard and fighting, they were out either getting into trouble or stirring up trouble. And Paul tells the family of faith that when you see someone not doing what they should be doing, whether they're wasting time or getting involved with things they shouldn't be, you, as brothers and sisters in Christ, lovingly and firmly call them back. So here's my question to you. Do you know of anyone who is pursuing lesser things rather than the God's eternal things? And have you ever thought maybe, just maybe, God wants to use you to lovingly confront or challenge them, so that they might find their way back to God and the joy of serving Him and His purposes? You see, that's what it's calling us to do here, when it says. Uh, warn the lazy. So here's the second thing. By the way, when I looked over there, it's because I thought it was my grandson, (laughs) and I just wanted to give him a thumbs up there. Uh, Second, we are to encourage the the timid. Now, the word translated encourage is paraklesis, which means to come alongside and, and with helpful instruction and insight. You know, there are people in the spiritual family who lack confidence for what they need in life and faith and they're as a result easily discouraged and often filled with worry now again do you know someone like that maybe god is calling you to be a paraclete to come alongside someone who is t- timid in their faith to help calm their fears and to help build them up and encourage them in their faith third they are they were to take tender care of the weak to take tender care a means to hold on to these people and wrap your arms around them and cling to them. And I just think of this, this beautiful picture, right? If someone is, is weak in whatever way that is, if they came to this church and they were just wrapped up with our love and support and prayers and what they're doing. Now, this can be someone who is spiritually weak and need of support. It could be someone who's struggling financially or is immature in their faith. And what these people need when they come in through these doors or in our lives is they don't need criticism. They don't need judgment. They need community. They need people who are going to lock hands and love and support them. Now, to live in peace is a choice. And to be patient with others is to be pastoral. And this is God's heart for us. And it's exactly how God uh, treats us. You see, God, of course, does not treat us as our sin deserves. He does not abandon us when we make a mistake. He does not hold us in bondage to the past choices we have made. Rather, He pursues us and He redeems us and He loves us and He restores us. So, Ebenezer family, let's have the heart of God when it comes to the family of faith. And let's be a people who pursues peace. AND DISPLAYS PATIENCE TO A BROKEN WORLD. VERSE 15, SEE THAT NO ONE REPAYS ANYONE EVIL FOR EVIL, BUT ALWAYS SEEK TO DO GOOD TO ANOTHER AND TO EVERYONE. NOW IF PEACE AND PATIENCE ARE INNER ATTITUDES THAT WE NEED TO HAVE, THIS NEXT EXHORTATION IS ONE OF ACTION. IT'S WHERE OUR FAITH AND OUR VALUES AND OUR beliefs TAKE ON FLESH. And so here's the third exhortation, word of encouragement to us. Be kind and gracious and generous to all. Now keep in mind, Paul is writing this letter to a church under persecution. And so the command against retaliation is especially powerful. You see, to many Jews in Jesus' days, this statement was offensive. They hated their enemies. And they wanted to retaliate if they could, and they wanted a Savior who would come and lead a revolt against the oppressive rulers that they are experiencing. Now, I also want you to notice that this is not just just directed to the family of faith. It says, um, but to all people, to everyone. So here's my questions to you. Are there people in this family who you need to relinquish the right to get even? In other words, they've hurt you. Whether it's a real or perceived offense, they've hurt you, and you're holding that against them. Maybe this is the day that you say, I'm setting that aside for the sake of the kingdom. And are there people, or who are the people in the greater community who we need to relinquish the right to get even with? The government. Maybe special interest groups that are annoying you. But this is what the Word of God says, is that we need to be kind and gracious and generous to all and not worry about paying back evil for evil, but rather the opposite. Verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will in you, for you in Christ Jesus. So here's my exhortation to you. Ebenezer family be joyful and prayerful and thankful in all circumstances gain okay, always be joyful well joy of course is rooted in the character of God it, it takes pleasure in the fact that God is good and that he has promised to always be with us that's why we can be joyful in all circumstances never stop praying means to have a mind that's always and constantly on the things of God. It, it's realizing that our God is the living God, the only true God, and that He hears us when we pray. That's why our praying is not futile. That's why we're always praying without ceasing in all circumstances. And be thankful in all circumstances. means to be thankful when things in your life are going well. And... It means to be thankful when things in your life are unraveling and going poorly then he makes a statement for this is god's will for you who belong to christ jesus so why is it god's will for us who belong to christ jesus that we are always joyful never stop praying and give thanks in every circumstance he ever ever thought of that IT'S BECAUSE WHEN THESE THREE QUALITIES ARE PRESENT IN OUR LIVES, GOD WILL GIVE US AND MAKE US A VIBRANT, POWERFUL, AUTHENTIC TESTIMONY AND EFFECTIVE WITNESS TO THE WORLD. YOU SEE, THESE QUALITIES SET US APART FROM THE WORLD. A WORLD THAT'S NOT ALWAYS JOYFUL. IN FACT, IT'S PROBABLY MORE ANGRY THAN JOYFUL. A WORLD THAT NEVER PRAYS OR EXPECTS AN ANSWER TO PRAYER. AND A WORLD THAT IS NOT ALWAYS THANKFUL. AND SO THAT'S WHY Uh, Paul says here these things. Verse 19 Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. So here's the fifth principle, the fifth exhortation Let God be your guide and walk in his ways. Now, all these things describe um, this is the quenching of the spirit and tree prophecies contempt are describing closing our ears and closing our minds and closing our heart to God. When he says, "Do not quench the spirit, it's like putting out the the, the spirit's fire quenching the quenching the spirit. you see we we begin to close our ears to the spirit's promptings. We refuse to listen. For the voice of God. And when we do hear it, whether that is nudging us in a direction or convicting us of sin, when we do hear God's voice, what we do is we ignore it. And the longer we ignore it, the softer it gets in our lives, and eventually we snuff out or quench the Spirit's involvement. And this is especially true regarding sin. So my first question is to you. What about you? ARE YOU QUENCHING THE SPIRIT'S VOICE IN YOUR LIFE? ARE YOU CHOOSING TO IGNORE HIM AND HIS PROMPTINGS SO YOU CAN LIVE AND CHASE AFTER THE LIFE THAT YOU WANT AND THE THINGS THAT YOU WANT? AND HERE'S MY my WORD TO YOU, DON'T QUENCH THE SPIRIT OF THE LIVING GOD, BECAUSE HE IS FOR YOU, AND GOD HAS YOUR BEST interest IN HIS MIND. AND AS I SHARED AT YOUTH JUST A COUPLE OF WEEKS AGO OR LAST WEEK, uh, THERE ARE SO MANY VOICES COMING AT YOU ALL CLAIMING THAT THEY HAVE THE RIGHT WAY AND THE RIGHT TRUTH. BUT CERTAINLY, IT'S THE VOICE OF GOD IS THE ONE THAT YOU WANT TO HEAR BECAUSE GOD IS TRUSTWORTHY. AND HIS WAYS ARE BEST AND HE'S LOVING AND HIS WAYS ARE TRUTH. DON'T DESPISE PROPHECIES. You see, God's even so gracious that when we ignore the Spirit's prompting in our life, He sends, often sends prophets. That might be in the form of your friend, your youth leader, your parent, a pastor, to um, speak God's grace into our lives and to speak truth to us. And why does He do that? The reason is He, he, he longs for us to come back to Him and to back into relationship Now, in doing that, he gives a qualifying statement. He says, but test everything and hold fast to that, which which is good. You see, the other side of this is that if we listen to every voice um, that comes our way, we might fail to discern what is truly the voice of God, and that's as equally as dangerous. We want to and need to hear from God, but let's make sure that we are. So there you have it five words of encouragement and exhortation to think about and remember me by. Continue to respect, love, and esteem your spiritual leaders. Live in peace and be patient with others in the family of faith. Be kind and gracious and generous to all. Be joyful, prayerful, and thankful in all circumstances, and let God be your guide and walk in his ways. I want to invite you to stand with me. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now. And I want to to close my sermon with the very prayer that Paul used to close his section. And so it is actually, it it can be on the screen up here if you want to look at it. I'm going to pray it over you, but this is what it says. And let me pray. May, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen? Amen. So just before I close with the benediction, let me just make a couple comments. Uh, First of all um this actually is my last sunday that you're going to see me for quite some time i've i've talked to chet and santosh i hope to be back eventually but uh, right now my i think my family is going to still be, be coming here they're all sitting over here but i'll i'll be um out of sight for the next at least six months and i'll touch base with to chet and santosh to see if it's okay for me to come back and if they want me to stay away longer then i'll be longer truthfully i'm, I'm just going to be probably anonymous person online watching the services but but that's that's beside the point so uh but you're not going to see me and it's not because i don't love you and want to be here i I definitely do but i just want to make sure that that you kind of shift your allegiance to them as as they take over as the leads here so let me just close with one last prayer from jude 24 25 uh, one of my favorite benedictions now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. So, for the last time, may you go in the fullness of God. May you recognize that his Spirit is with you. May you go in peace and power as you serve him in whatever context you find yourself in. Amen? Amen. Amen. JUST AS WE SING OUR LAST SONG, I WANT TO REMIND YOU THAT WE DO HAVE uh, THE ALTAR OPEN, SO IF YOU WOULD LIKE TO COME AND BE PRAYED FOR, WE HAVE STAFF THERE THAT WE'D BE HAPPY TO PRAY FOR YOU. AND, OF COURSE, YOU CAN MINISTER TO EACH OTHER BY PRAYING WITH THOSE AROUND YOU AS WELL.